It's episode 13 of the Catching Up Podcast here with Connor and Nick. And this week we're talking about Founders Live Seattle winners, Cluck, and how they're trying to make Craigslist safer. GeekWire wrote an article this week called Chest Thumpers versus Executors, the difference between Seattle and Silicon Valley. And we've all been spammed in our inbox with the new updates for the GDPR regulations. How do you feel about it? And lastly, we end the show talking about why we're excited to be entrepreneurs and starting the companies that we've started. Thank you so much for watching the show. We're grateful for your attention every single week here in the Catching Up Podcast. Please enjoy the show. Nick, happy Friday. What's going on? Uh, not much, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I am uh, playing catch up here uh, for week 13. Since we took off last week, I was in New York City for a long weekend. And so uh, this week was just all catch up because for the four days I was gone, I was trying not to check my email um, or use my phone too much and really like spend some quality time uh, with my significant other. And so, yeah, the last four days have just kind of been yeah. and to, to play catch up with all of that. Yeah, I, I was kind of in the same boat. I, I really – so I was uh, away in Yakima where I grew up, and I just put my phone in the room and didn't touch it for like two days. Oh, that's and, great. You know, it's that fear, though. Like, I, I literally – you know, I'm, I've got some things going actually in, in Africa that – it was just like, I had that fear on Monday that I was like, how many emails are in my box? What do I need to attend to? Because it was a holiday here in the US, but in other countries, it's not. So it's just that, man, I loved it. I had a great time. But then coming back, you're like, that anxiety just hits you again. You're like, oh, shit. Like, like you have to dig through your emails. You have to catch up. You have to respond. So, um Man, double-edged sword, but yeah, I took the holiday as well. It was great. Yeah, it really is difficult when you're working with anyone internationally. Yeah, cause you kind of forget like, oh yeah, this isn't a holiday for the entire world. It's just here in the U.S., um, which is really tough. And then, uh, uh, but yeah, since it was Memorial Day, just wanted to give a quick shout out to to anyone if you're listening, whether you were served in the military or you uh, have family or you even know someone. Uh, thank you so much for their service and and providing. Yeah. Nick and I had the opportunity, right, to sit here on a Friday morning and and record this show and speak freely about whatever we want. Um, Just incredible opportunity that we have to be here in 2018 and and do stuff like this. And uh, just like I'm super grateful to do the show with you. Um, And so last night, Founders Live Seattle, right? Yeah. How'd it go? We we had a great night, man. There was packed house, um, hundreds of people there. It was awesome. Um, and yeah, the winner, so actually for anyone who's not, uh, aware founders live is my company. We not only build a global platform for entrepreneurship, uh, online, but, um, we have events that happen in now 15 cities. Uh, it started in Seattle. So Seattle is kind of the big, the big show. Uh, last night we had hundreds of people there and uh to pitch competition so we have five early stage companies that pitch they only have 99 seconds to to talk um there's some q a after that but in the end the crowd votes on a winner and this this month's winner is their the name is cluck 
And Cluck really, in the end, their whole thing is be safer on Craigslist. And I, I find it so crazy that it's taken so long for something like this to come about that basically it's a it's a Chrome it's a it's a browser extension that allows you rate review and really um, highlight issues on Craigslist that might be scams they might be you know um, illegal or privacy issues as we know Craigslist is really the kind of the the <laughs> the murky water of the internet and really, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's bad you know it's bad all around and. Craigslist is not the only site, right? But the point is this, is that she's creating a really interesting uh, mechanism to to bring forth and allow people to, um, you know, kind of highlight and, and respond and retaliate against the crap that happens fraudulently, illegally, um, scams that happen on Craigslist. And she had a great pitch and she ended up winning. And I think it, the point of all this is, my question to you, Connor, is, you know, um, you know, do you think that something like this could and can make Craigslist and such and such websites safer? Um, yeah, it has the opportunity to make it safer. I'm, I'm a little skeptical about it, um, uh, most specifically because it's just a Chrome extension. Um, and, and secondly, how how are they going to monetize this and and it's something that they're going to need to market in some type of way, or they, they're going to have to get bought by Craigslist if, if that's their play. And, and so that's really the big struggle that I see. Like how, how, how does this turn into to a business or is it just a side hustle, like a, a fun project to put together into sport and put out there. Uh, but something like this is pretty needed because Craigslist is such like a wild West atmosphere um, on the internet. And, and, you know, I have um, had my experiences, like I remember when I first graduated college and I was just like on Craigslist looking for apartments here in Seattle and looking for jobs and, you know, just like all of it was scams. Almost, mm-hmm. like, you, you ha- and sending an email is not the right thing to do. Um, you know, it blows my mind because I, I think the people who get caught in a lot of these traps are the people who are moving from out of state or out of city and they're kind of just taking a risk because if you don't get the opportunity to come visit this place before um you just kind of have to say like looks good like i just need to get there so here's my down payment and I'll, and i hope i get the keys when i show up but that's just a very big risk <laughs> to do. um but that is reality for some people and so i think that something's needed but i am a little skeptical about the business model um, and maybe you, you got some answers last night about that. Cause I assume some people asked some questions about it. Yeah. There, you know, some people asked some questions and I think, you know, I'm not going to say specifically because I don't really know, like what is her specific business model um, from the standpoint of, um, I, mean, I think, I think it's kind of, it's almost the same as Craigslist, which is you can have a segment. There's, there can be paid models around this. I do believe that. But I think what she pointed out, and I asked the question, I basically said, look, this is the, the direction of the world, and we'll actually get to this later, but the privacy, data, all this stuff that's happening, the pendulum is swinging back. And I think she has ample opportunity. This company has ample opportunity to 
it's not just Craigslist. And I think like they're focusing right now on if you go to their website, it does say be safer on Craigslist. But I think overall, it's be safer on the web or online or in the world. And she had already she spoke about last night. You know, it, because it is a Chrome extension, there's ways to very quickly take it to other websites and other experiences. And so I think the bigger picture here is, you know, how does how does a company like this bring this service and technology to other experiences online? And there could be if we want to go deeper, which we won't because we don't have time, but there are other ways to monetize this and take this to other other websites and experiences and in the end, it's it's really about making it's really about making the the, the web and uh, online experiences for consumers safer and more protected. And and so actually, like that's a great segue here. Um, you know, this whole like uh, GDPR. Um, you as everyone else has got how many how many emails have you received from all the apps and websites that you you are a member of or frequent? that you get that email it's like we're updating our terms of service <laughs> it's ridiculous it's ridiculous and you know i think it you know that's regulation right and so all these all these companies are basically required to make changes and and notify you and um so you know um gdpr which is uh a general data protection regulation if i'm correct on that um General Data Protection Regulation, it's it's come out of the EU, so over in Europe. And in the end, it's it's many, many, many regulations on this stuff around data and how how it's, you know, really it's about notifying and being more transparent on what companies are doing with your data. And um, it's kind of a two-part question, which is one, do you think it's going to make a difference at all? Because those terms of service still are, you know, Hunt, you know, tens or hundreds of pages long. Who's going to read that stuff? Um, and secondly, you know, do you think that it's like, you know, um, do you think it's going to make even just for startups specifically, do you think it makes it harder to grow now based on the regulations around the data and what they do with it and how they monetize it, um, you know, compared to large companies, which this article that we cite, there's a you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars of fees and fines and all this crap. So what do you make of this? And do you think it's uh, helping or hurting the world of online business? Yeah. Uh, um, so first point, just to to go back to the Cluck beta, you actually just like the the points that you made about the broader expansion and, and kind of made, it made me think about like, oh, there's this third party service that's kind of like a annotation of websites and services like right yelp for websites um mm -hmm. so you can go and you can kind of see all your friends and if they left reviews or feedback or anything about their experience there um that's actually just a really interesting idea and in, in how that can expand mm -hmm. um but yeah so going into this gdpr um right now it i'm kind of going back and forth because like it it from the consumer point of view, it almost feels like the consumers are the ones losing right now. Um, and, and, and that's very, very biased because everyone's just frustrated with their inbox and how many emails that we've all received here in the last uh, month about updated privacy. 
and I'm yeah. concerned about like uh, like this article you shared was really good from Vanity Fair about how so many companies and websites went dark in the EU this last week. Right. Right. And so the the people who are losing are the consumers who are relying on these services, right? And 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 it's up for debate about how necessary many of these services are. Uh, but it also is putting the companies in a position where they're actually going to be charging the European customers more to use the services. And so I think that's what's going to be I mean, that would be my prediction about what a lot of these big companies are going to do is they're going to bring up paid firewalls for European customers because they have to put in the extra services. As long as the EU is exclusive and kind of having some of these innovative policies, it's just going to be really hard for companies. So that's just going to cost the consumer more. Um, they're going to pass on those fees. But I think the the big tell will be how the U.S. government follows suit yeah. on what's going on here because if the u.s government does the same thing um which i mean there's just a lot of pressure on tech companies right now um you know i think it could stifle a lot and so i'm i'm not super concerned about privacy um i think over the next decade it's probably going to be the next big subject i i would think that privacy coming up in the next presidential election will actually be a major topic that is debated yeah. um, about, about what they're going to do. I think just it's so top of mind right now. A lot of people are going to talk about it. And so if the U.S. goes the same way, um, then that's going to be very difficult. Um, and it's going to cause a lot of problems for big companies. But these are all these are all the big issues where now that the Internet and technology are at the scale that they're at, you know, now we got to solve some big time problems that have long term consequences. And so I think the impact that the U.S. has will be kind of the big turning point for the outcome uh, of all of this. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you got any last thoughts about it? Well, I think we've talked about this before, but I mean, I'm, it's such I'm so mixed because as a consumer, it concerns me with the amount of what's or what's happening, the 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 what companies are doing with my data i even i i have no clue right you have no clue and it's actually scary when you get down into like you know the amount of um back channel buying and selling and access to this data and then the breaches and all that stuff right but on the other side as a business you know uh, data is the new oil and data is incredibly valuable and you know um I'm not saying that I think it's smart or I think it's right for companies to sell their user data, but it is something that is a quote, you know, business model. So um, it does, you know, I'm concerned as a consumer. I think actually this movement is good as a consumer. I think it's challenging as a business, just even more regulations means you as a business have to more fully understand that. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I think you're right that we need to see what the U.S. does before we fully, you know, make a decision and understand what's exactly going to happen here in the U.S. But if you're listening and you're in the, the EU, well, you know, you're starting to already see and feel the benefit or the, the ramifications and as well the benefits, maybe. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, with that said, um, 
man. So, um, you posted something about the uh, chest thumpers and executors. Uh, why don't you um, open that up and describe what's going on there and, and what your thoughts are? Yeah. So, for those listening, there there was this article from GeekWire here in Seattle that uh, just caught my attention earlier this week, and uh, the the headline is chest thumpers versus executors, the difference between Seattle and Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, according to this VC. And it has been echoed a few times by other VCs, um, but um, fairly popular investor, uh, Bill Bryant, who's a partner at DFJ, uh, he, let me pull out the quote here real quick. I lost it for a second. Um, but more or less, to summarize it, he, he said that, down in the Bay, the entrepreneurs down there are better storytellers, but the entrepreneurs in Seattle are better executors. So here in Seattle, we're not raising as much money, but I think we're having a lot of successes, right? A lot, a lot of companies are being built and doing big things, um, but, but compared to the scale of money that's being raised in Silicon Valley, there's kind of a big difference. And, and you and I have debated back and forth a ton about why that's there. Uh, but I just thought this was a really interesting uh, – it was kind of like a hot take about why they're so different. And because you're so involved with the entrepreneurial community, Nick, like I just want to know what you thought about this. Like do you agree do you, or do you disagree about this chest thumpers versus executors uh, dichotomy? Well, man, you know, <clears throat> I hope I hope Taylor is either listening or maybe not. But um, Taylor Soper wrote this and – you know, he's a friend of mine. And I, I just look, part of me is like, okay, every, you know, every quarter or whatever, we're going to write it's Silicon Valley versus Seattle articles. So we get some clicks. And, you know, here in Seattle, there's that it just comes around every year. And it's like this whole is Seattle Silicon Valley? No, we're not because we're different. And we're not Silicon Valley, but we're better or not or worse or the funding versus blah, blah, blah. And I think like, you know, um, I think this is a headline article. I think that um, what what you know Bill's saying is, you know, look. In the end, um, I, I unfortunately Seattle does not have the magnitude of of businesses and exits to be able to talk, and I think that that's the reality. The numbers show that you know entrepreneurs and businesses down that have been started and grown in Silicon Valley are quite a bit bigger. Um, or like the numbers of large companies down there totally dwarf the number of large companies in Seattle. Um, with that being said, I think piercing into what he's saying is because of less capital, because of less connections, we do better. If you average it, if you actually like, uh, what's the word here? If, if you kind of bring everything into the same ballpark or average we actually do more with less i think that's what he's saying um you say basically you know chest thumpers versus executors i think it's more like start uh, the founders and uh, the executive teams here in seattle because less capital access wise they actually execute with less resources and and we can still be successful we do have billion dollar plus companies come out of seattle of course um but i think like this is a good example of media twisting a little bit to create a headline. And um, uh, it just carries on the whole Silicon Valley, Seattle or whatever 
uh, argument. But that that's my thoughts, man. Yeah, I I totally agree, and I think that's kind of why I put it up there because I it, I was like, whoa, this is a hot take. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, I mean, I, I really like what Taylor Taylor writes, so nothing against him at all. Yeah, um, totally. And, and yeah, it's just very interesting because I mean, I think coming from the VC. And I don't know his track record at all about where he's writing checks and and whatnot, but it's just kind of interesting. It's like, all right, well, if you think the executors are here, like, why aren't the VCs writing the checks, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because I don't know. I feel like it makes the VCs look bad. It's like, all right, well, you're believing the storytellers and not the executors. Um, But who knows? Maybe Bill has all of his money wrapped up here in Seattle and, and, and he's, He's really the driving force. I have no clue. I'm, I'm making way too many assumptions here, so I could be totally wrong. Uh, feel free to uh, anyone listening there. If, if I'm wrong, please let me know uh, because I'm happy to be open to that criticism. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I just yeah, it was I'll funny. Just, I mean, I'm sure this is a debate we'll have on the show for forever. Totally. And I'll just like, you know, close this topic with um, I do think he's actually pretty accurate on, you know, the storytelling, which, you know, even last night I mentioned on stage. You know, what, what Founders Live is about is, um, you know, we we highlight and um, we bring talent onto the stage, early stage companies and founders that are building things. And the whole point, the most important thing is you're telling a story about what you've created and, and being able to tell a story through your pitch is probably the most important thing to raise money to bring on uh, and hire people you have to tell a compelling story of why you're creating this and why the world is going to be better with your innovation or creation and so i think like what i like about him touching on this is it's really about storytelling and on unfortunately or fortunately however you think about it you know the best storytellers are probably going to attract the capital the most employees, the followers, the customers, because they can craft that compelling story. So takeaway from this is, yes, you know, storytelling is important, but oh, by the way, execution and, you know, um, doing the most with the least amount of resources is also very, very important. Yes, it is. All right. So to end the show, I want to give a shout out to a Founders Live user, Aaron Michael, um, who posted this question on Founders Live. And I was like, this is just a a great topic for us to talk about because we yeah. talked about it a little bit. Um, but I know as we get more people listening to the show, we kind of want to reiterate about why we're doing the show and, and you know, why are you and I kind of on the journeys that we're on and, and, and why do we do this every day? And so the question that Aaron put out there was just very general about what excites you the most about being an entrepreneur or founding a startup. And I'll, I'll let you start, Nick. Oh man. Um, so my answer was, uh, the freedom to create something new and bring it to the world to benefit others. Uh, also, the opportunity to inspire others to do the same. So, you know, what does that mean? It's kind of kind of general, but <clears throat> what excites me is, man, like the open road of creating something from nothing and bring it to the world and seeing it grow. Um, that that is what excites me the most about being an entrepreneur. Um, the 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 opposite of that is you work for someone or you work for a company and essentially your job is dictated. And so you don't have the freedom to create something new and bring it to the world and, and, you know, impact others. So I love that. I, it's like the most intangible thing, but it's so rewarding 
and you know i see it every time i do the event it's like people get up in front of people and they're talking about what they've created and they're talking about what they're bringing to the world and um that is that is in my opinion the most exciting aspect of it um you know so you you uh you had a answer here so why don't you describe your answer what do you think man yeah and, and the more i've been thinking about it it's kind of like evolved a little bit but but um i grew up playing golf i mean golf is is definitely my favorite sport to play and um i just have a really big passion for it and i and i think playing golf and and learning and experiencing that through kind of my teenage years and growing up has really related a lot to being an entrepreneur um, because I really have always liked the, the position of this is all on me. And even uh-huh. if I grow to be a company and I have hundreds of employees, if it fails or there's any type of failure, that's still going to end up on my shoulders as the CEO. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a responsibility that, that, um, it takes a lot of balls. It takes a lot of self-awareness. Um, and, and you got to get past a lot of your ego to put yourself in that kind of position. Um, and yep. playing golf, I think I learned a lot of lessons by playing golf ab- about some of those things, because, uh, even though when I played in high school, there was a team dynamic, what really matters is like you get on the tee on the first hole and it doesn't matter what everyone else does. It's about you getting the ball to the green and in the hole in you yeah. know, a certain amount of shots. Um, and if you shoot a good score, obviously you get compared to everyone else. Um, but everyone else doesn't really have an effect. Like you can go out and you can win every single round um, or you can go out and you can lose. And it's really dictated by so many small little decisions as you go through this journey, you know, of five hours on a golf course. And so yeah. I've been thinking about how much I play that sport and how, um, I think mentally where I'm at and how I've been navigating my life, that's influenced a lot about how um, I make decisions and kind of how I've entered into this entrepreneurial role. And uh, I'm still very new being a, a, a founder of my company, uh, but I'm, I'm just so excited about uh, the opportunity to make my own thing and, and see what I can do and not having the regret of did I go for it. Um, yeah you know, yeah I'm, i when when i'm 80 years old i want to make sure that i go hey like whether it did or didn't work out like i went for it and i'm not going to regret that uh, i did i fully agree like i think that that 80 year old regret feeling uh, i don't want it either man i i either want to say you know what if for some reason or another it didn't work out and I didn't reach the level that I anticipated, I at least tried. And then on the other side, I want to look back as a very successful person and business owner and be like, man, I'm so glad I made that decision. Right. So either one of those is great. But the worst thing is, man, I regret not actually trying and not putting myself out there and not taking the risk. I I do not want that. That is the biggest regret if I ever had that feeling when I'm 70 or 80. So um, yeah, I love it, man. Excellent. Well, that concludes episode 13 of the Catching Up podcast with Connor and Nick. Uh, Nick, you got any final words before we talk to everyone next Friday? Well, no. Oh, my final words are uh, have a great weekend or rest of your week. And uh, yeah, look, look for us next week. And uh, if you haven't checked out Founders Live, get on there. It's good stuff. Yeah, make sure you get on Founders Live and uh, shoot us a message, post something to connect with some other founders. Thank you very much for listening to us. 
every single week. Um, that's Nick Hughes, and I'm Connor Kaysen. You can find me on the internet at Find Me in Seattle on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I'd love to talk with you. Shoot us any feedback if you want to hear any topics. Uh, we'd love to know that. Or shoot us a review. We'll give you a shout-out. Uh, appreciate you a lot, Nick, and enjoy your upcoming weekend. Happy June, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.